Now, here's here's my opinion, if and, and, and only my opinion, but <laughs> we should do the right thing. It doesn't matter if it if it's if it cuts us financially, mm. unfortunately. We yeah. do the right thing because it's the right thing. Welcome to the Claim Clinic. Have a seat here and tell me what brings you in today. Is your adjuster acting up again? Oh, it sounds like you might have some serious grain depression. Don't worry, the doctor will see you now. Thank you, Nurse Natalie. And thank you for coming to the Claim Clinic. This is Andy McCabe. I am your Claim Doctor. I'm glad you showed up today. I'm excited to have an interview with Mr. Jeremy Reitz with Reitz Drawing Academy. Also the inventor of the E-Test Drying System. I didn't know this before the interview started and uh, a little bit embarrassed and I didn't didn't do my research, but uh, hey, what are you going to do? Before we get started, I'd like to mention that uh, at waterdamageprofit.com, you can download a 20-step mitigation checklist as well as the 24-hour tech. And if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to know what it's like to have someone write an Xactimate estimate for you... All you got to do is download the 20-step mitigation package, fill it out on a job that you're doing, and email it over to me and mention that you heard this on the Claim Clinic, and I will write that estimate for free. That's right. No cost. Claims delegates will write an estimate for you in Xactimate if you submit it using the 20-step mitigation program. Now, this is just one per customer and new customers only, please, but uh, oh, what, what the heck? Everyone that submits a 20-step program in the next uh, four weeks will get their first mitigation estimate written for free by claims delegates. What do you say? Wow, that was a long intro. Let's get right to it with Mr. Jeremy Reitz. All right. Welcome to the Claim Clinic. This is Andy McCabe, your claim doctor. I have the pleasure of sitting next to, well, at least on your screen, uh, Mr. Jeremy Reitz with Reitz Drying Academy. Hey, Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. Doing Thanks. fantastic. Great. Thanks for coming on. I understand it's going to be incredibly humid there. Uh, I, I'm not sharing your pain here in Bend, but uh, we all have to soldier on, don't we? Jeremy, why don't you tell us in the audience, a little bit about REITs, yourself, and your history uh, in the restoration industry. Yeah, a lot of people ask, well, how did you get into water restoration? And um, uh, I say, well, if you want the short story, my, my dad met my mom. He thought she was attractive. A few years later, I was born into water restoration. So that's how I got into water restoration and grew up in, in the business, really, um, you know, going out with uh, Pop when he had a job, and mm. and yet then about uh, 89, 88, I got my first certification with ICRC. 89, uh, I started doing, uh, working with in the business a few days a week, and by 1990, uh, I was working five days a week in the restoration business and stayed there for uh, over 25 years. Well, I say over 25 years, if you include the initial from from 88. And, oh, yeah. um, and I did a variety of things. I worked on the truck for many years. I worked as an estimator. I, 
um, I filled all the roles in various capacities in our in our restoration business. Okay. And in 2002, my parents started uh, looking towards retirement, and um, I had been working towards taking over our, our restoration business. And mm-hmm. so, about 2002, that's there was a big change in my role there from being um, more in the supervisory uh, and uh, field roles to uh, managing the company. Okay. Now, I realized when I started doing, started running the company that. Uh, we were faced with some serious challenges with regard to a new business. So I started looking for a way to generate new business to separate our company from the rest. Okay, so, so up I, until that point, you yeah. guys weren't doing the educational thing. You were no, just, no, just no. straight we restoration. We started education until right. 2005. So hmm. um, in 2002, I started researching more heavily okay. uh, water restoration, but doing so outside of our industry. Uh, how drying works, mm. and so uh, developed a test drying system, directed heat drying principles. Wait a minute, and, you're the test guy? Yeah, oh, I'm. I'm in the presence of legend. That's a great machine. I, That's an amazing machine. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, and um, so, you know, once we developed that that test equipment and the dry, directed heat drying principles, people needed to learn that. So I started doing some education. And one thing led to another. Uh, now we do um, uh, IICRC's WRT and ASD courses. Uh, we also I also have my own water restoration course. Plus, I have our online training system, which uh, is the largest of its kind available mm-hmm. in the industry. It's REITS TV. REITS TV. So, yeah, I've seen a little bit of that. That's nice. Yeah. And so, you know, we're developing all kinds of uh, uh, new things to help our, our biggest thing is is we want people to be able to uh, do their job better we're looking for ways to uh, generate new uh, income sources and also make you better equipped to handle the jobs that you have uh, often it's not marketing that people that contractors need to to increase their bottom line it's uh, handling the jobs that they have more mm. effectively. So that's where we really specialize. We don't do a lot of marketing training. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, we're on the we're on the same wavelength there. I've got a a system called the Twenty Four Hour Tech, which is all about making your guys more efficient at the front end day one. First twenty four oh. hours of a water loss are the most important time to yep. pick up the dollars that are lying there. Well, you know, that's that's a, a fact that escapes a lot of people. We just uh, had uh, one of our first uh, estimating classes that, that I Oh, wrote. yeah. Tell me about that. That's, uh, that's yeah. got to be a first in the industry. I've never I, – I wasn't aware yeah. of any estimating classes available to guys like us. Yeah, there are a couple of good ones. In fact, okay. uh, uh, also, um, Beoland Management has a great estimating class as well on restoration. Okay. Ours is unique in that – I try to put everything into a process as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I take the uh, residential water restoration project and we go through an eight-step estimating process because uh, what I find is most guys are worried about the negotiations that come mm-hmm. at the end. That's yep. the biggest thing that's here, that call from the adjuster. What I have found is that uh, if you don't prepare well, if you're not ready for that final step, yeah, negotiations, basically, I say negotiation could be summed up in, into 
how much money am I going to have to give away? Yeah, they're going to so eat your lunch. We want that step to be as small as possible. Short which and means small, that yes. we have to focus on the other steps, which just as you stated, starts with the very first person that steps in the door. The technician is your first step. Uh, and that pre-inspection meeting is the first step in estimating. And, yep. um, and, and so, yeah, we're total agreement. That's, that's where it starts, right there, yeah. right there in the field. I think, uh, I've, and I've said it when I've managed restoration companies and, and taught technicians through the years, everything good that comes out of a restoration company starts with the tech. And that's, that's where I think a lot of us as owners, the further we get in the industry, we forget what it was like to be a tech and where all the good stuff comes from. We can't make the profits. We can't do the rebuilds. We can't do anything unless that technician does his job right in the first day. So, yep. And how many times do you have a – I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, and that's where sounds like you started as well. I mean, my my roots are, are uh, riding the truck. You know, I did that for uh, 15 years, and uh, I know what it takes to do the job right. And, and so when I, I talk to a technician, mm-hmm. we can get on the same wavelength pretty quickly because pretty quick. I've, yep. I've been there and done that an awful lot. Yeah, and look at the customer reviews. I always like going back to those. How many customer reviews mention the project manager? Oh, the project manager, you know, so-and-so, John was awesome. No, they mentioned the tech. The technician was there. Oh, they saved me. I was so worried. I was so scared. They were there. They held my hand. They walked me through it. It's always the tech that gets the, that gets the kudos because they're the ones in the, in the nitty-gritty of it. So. Yep. Big fan. Let's talk technology. I understand that the IICRC is looking at a a calculation for air movers. I know there's a calculation out there for dehumidifiers. Um, there's a standard way of, of measuring how many dehumidifiers you need uh, in a given space, uh, you know, doing the calculations, the GPP and all that. So there's a, now there's something about air movers. Tell me about that. I know nothing about it. Okay. Well, there is currently a standard for the number of air movers that are used. On oh, there is. In this okay. Part. What's that based on? What's that based on? Well, there was a lot of work put into this a number of years ago. So when the 2006 document, which is the one we're currently using, was put out, uh, quite a bit of work was put into trying to figure out how many air movers to put into a water loss. Well, mm-hmm. Because there's so much variance from one loss to the next, there had to be a range in that. So they came up with the 10 to 16, one air mover every 10 to 16 linear feet okay. uh, uh, formula. Now, the, uh, there was some still some fudge factor in that one. I'm sorry? There's still some fudge factor in the 10 to 16 linear feet, sure. right? Sure, yeah. So, so, you know, you get into certain losses where you have a very dense build out. You got water uh, coming down the walls. You're going to go into that one every 10 hmm. range. Uh, you get into a loss where you got long stretches of wall, it's uh, uh, water hasn't wicked up the wall too far, and now you've got, uh, you're more into the one every 16-foot range hmm. or somewhere in that neighborhood. And so you've got that variance to allow you to adapt to what you actually find on the project. And the contents obviously plays into that too sure. as far as uh, the density of contents. Sure. So we've used that when that when that 2006 document came out. There really wasn't a lot of review being done by uh, insurance companies, third-party reviewers. Today, we've got a totally different, oh, completely different. They're just it might go through two 
parties before it gets to the carrier, and it's yeah. got to go through a filter on every single one. Yeah. Yeah. So so now where we had uh, a, a, a formula being put out that was just a, a best uh, best guess mm-hmm. ten years ago. Uh, we've got years of, of background in that. We've made it work. And since that works, insurers have picked that up. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of just being uh, an also ran in a document, it has come to the forefront. So you have your air mover calculations, your dehumidifier calculations, and those are going to be run on every job. Yep. So now, if we go in and we change that, there's going to be serious repercussions both technically – do mm-hmm. I have enough air movement to get the job done? And financially, and everybody is concerned with both aspects. Big time, big time. It's no longer is it how many, well, how much equipment should I use? Well, how many plugins do you have? Yeah. <laughs> or how many do I have on the truck? Right, How many? yeah, that's better because that's so often the case you get to a job and you don't have enough gear. It is, hey, we'll come back tomorrow and add more. So, um do you know, do we have a sneak peek of what this calculation might look like? Absolutely. You can go and look at that uh, at iicrc.org. Uh, go through to the standards section and you can pull up that oh, okay. from the standards. So it's beyond uh, just uh, an idea. It is, has been through four reviews. Um, it was not put on the fifth review, their mover um, formulas that has been proposed was not put on the fifth review Um, was taken out or just not put on as a review subject yes not a reviewable subject okay so uh, there's still a lot of controversy around that and um you're talking about people's bottoms lines right yeah i mean you're you're affecting people's pocketbooks it it may not seem like a lot but 25 bucks a day per mover uh according to exactimate rates that can add up pretty quick yeah, and, and that shouldn't be the determining factor as shouldn't to be, no. what we put into the standard, but it is certainly what people are looking – one of the things, one of the two things people are looking at. Yeah. Um, now, here's, here's my opinion, if and, – and, and only my opinion, but <laughs> we should do the right thing. It doesn't matter if it, if it's, if it cuts us financially, mm. unfortunately. We yeah. do the right thing because it's the right thing. Well, but, that's – I don't know if that's the common <laughs> common thought. I'm with you. I agree with you. Uh, the right thing to do is not always the thing that is done. How do we define what is the right thing, though? I mean, that, mm. that's the challenge, you know? So uh, everybody has their own opinion on that. Here's my concern. The, the, the formulas that have been presented have not been field tested. They're not a standard of care. Mm. So how do you present something as a standard of care when it's never been done on a uh, wide scale? We don't know what's going to happen. How is that adjustment going to change things? Is it going to create more air movement, use of more air movers on projects? Is it going to decrease the number of air movers on projects? No one knows. Mm. There's guesses, but we can't. we absolutely cannot tell for sure. There, without a doubt, on some projects, you'll use more air movers. Are Without we, a doubt, on some projects, you will use less. Why? Because we need more or less on projects? Not necessarily. Simply, mm. in this, in this, uh, under this new proposal, it'll just be based on whatever the formula tells me I'm supposed to use. Not what I, as the, as the a technician, uh, determine based on what I find. So, mm. 
in my opinion, the best, this is not the best thing. Ah. It's not the best thing to do. It, we've got to do some, some testing because let's say that it produces overall less air movement on projects. Okay. How do you explain that to restorers? There's nothing to support the, the formula that, that, that is there or mm. that is being proposed. How do you, what if the formula produces more air mover usage overall? Now, how do you explain that to insurers? Hmm. What, what's at stake here is the viability of the S500 when it comes to uh, prescription of, of air movement. That's and a good so, point. Good point. Yeah. You know, there, there's just, I think it's a highly dangerous move. Um, hmm. I, I've done my best. I've worked on two fronts, really. One, trying to improve whatever formula may be proposed, and we've seen four improvements, so we've been successful there. But I've also been trying to eliminate the change altogether because mm. we need more information before we have a new formula. So I have not been successful on that front. I've not been successful in saying, let's just leave what we've got until we can prove something to be better. Mm. And, um, so uh, unfortunately, that looks like where we're going to end up. Well, anytime you mess with evaporation rates, you're messing with classification, right? You you might take a class two and make it a class three, or or a, a class three and maybe move it into class four because you're moving. I got that right. Category and class. Yeah, I got that right. It's been a while. Uh, so when you increase the classification, you have to have more dehu load to take that humidity out of the air. So it's going to be even more important that people actually have an idea of what these things mean. No matter what happens, you've got to understand the physics of a water loss so you don't create secondary damage, correct? Absolutely. Uh, one change begets another. We don't, have, uh, we don't really know the effects that this adjustment will have. No one does. Um, and to some extent, hey, I'm not afraid of change. I mean, the test system was a massive change from, from what people were doing. Uh, I am, I've always embraced change. I'm an agent for change, but it has to be changed for the right reason. Sure. We don't change just for the sake of change. Uh, that doesn't produce, that doesn't produce a good end result necessarily. No. Not everything needs to be changed. Exactly. But... Um, in, in any case, it, there's going to be uh, repercussions from this. We don't know what they're going to be. Uh, that, to me, tells me we, we, we've got a bad decision here. All right. Well, let's reel this way back in. Uh, this podcast is focused on guys just getting started, just getting in. Uh, maybe they're just, just getting their first certifications. What are... Is there a difference between RIA and IICRC as, as IICRC became the de facto standard? And is there any other training out there that guys should consider taking? Well, uh, that's a big question. Um, RIA is a trade organization, trade association. Um, IICRC is more of a standard setting board. Okay. And so they're, they're, they really run on parallel tracks. I think that you should take advantage of what both of those organizations have to offer. And um, uh, it, it, you can look at, at the history of both of those organizations, and you'll see that they've worked uh, together in, in, in most of the standards that, that are there. You'll see that they, they don't conflict with one another, um, but they're definitely two, do two totally different organizations. Sure. So 
Um, I would say on the water side, uh, both of those organizations have strong programs, and you should look at at, at, uh, at each of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet, IICRC is the only one with a standard, which is the S five hundred. Sure. So you've got, you know, you got to look at that and see what it is that you're what you need out of that. We even have an online certificate program, so that okay. you can get a certificate, not an IICRC certificate, not an RIA certificate. But a certificate that shows, hey, you've completed these courses, you've been tested, and and so forth, and you have the knowledge to, to okay. make that happen. So, you know, what does your organization need? Once you once you determine that, then uh, you can size accordingly. Well, there's always the uh, the TPAs and and national agreements. If you're working for a service master, you're getting IICRC training. There's no yeah. there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I had to go through it again. I had my ASD and, and WRT and, and my mold certification through ASCR, uh, but then I took a job with the service master. Well, it's all out the window. We gotta take. We gotta make sure you got the IICRC on there. So fine, fine, all right. Uh, what yeah, that, that makes you that's made you a better technician for it. So oh, you, absolutely. you've got you've got both backgrounds there, and and that really that puts you light years ahead of of where most people are when it comes to certification and, and understanding sure. water restoration and understanding of yeah and it comes down to physics yeah the physics of it if if you can get your technicians to understand what water does in these different states um, they are going to be way ahead of the guys who are just pulling stuff off the truck sorry i got a loud guy on the background there uh, you know tech, so many technicians just pulling stuff off the truck plugging it in and and just going through the motions without real understanding of it. Yeah. Why don't you give me, Jeremy, a good tip? What's your number one tip for brand new restoration contractors out there? Wow. That's a big question. For a brand new restoration contractor, you know, I would say uh, don't overextend yourself. Um, mm. I think that the first thing that contractors need to do is determine – realistically what what uh, goals they can set for their organization their organization is probably them i'm just going to assume we've got a one man show he's trying to just pull it right out of the dirt and make something go man so, in a van with a fan yeah you know you got to set some uh, objectives because if you don't there is so much that goes on in a restoration company that you will go, you will become uh, schizophrenic. One day you're doing this, the next day you're doing that, then the other, and then yep. some new opportunity comes up. Then I got a big job. Then I sh- maybe I need to get into mold because I, can't, I don't get any water job. It, it goes. You're not going anywhere yep. other than yeah, you know, in circles. Besides crazy, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think the first thing I would say is set some realistic objectives and don't don't come out saying i mean you may have additional reasons to believe this is true but most people should not go you know what the first month i'm going to do a hundred thousand but by by the end of the year i want to be at two hundred thousand a month oh well that's fantastic and if you figure that out you let uh, me know and i'll take your class (laughs) (laughs) but you know if you set some realistic objectives and you're going to have to base that on your area your uh, personal skill sets what are you good at are you a good marketer are you a good you know process guy what what are you good at mm. and and set yourself some realistic objectives and then don't allow yourself to to uh divert from those unless there's just a 
new opportunity that makes no sense not to not to grab onto. Okay. But that'll help you to stay focused. And that's something that most business owners, most business owners have some level of ADHD. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, am, I am covered up with it. And so I've realized that if I don't have some objectives, I will be all over the place and ultimately not effective. Mm-hmm. Whereas I also find that most most entrepreneurs thrive on winning their game, whatever it may be. They're driven by that. So set yourself a game, set yourself, set your score, and uh, and exceed it. But Go that's going to gonna require being very focused. Yeah. So hopefully that wins out over the ADHD. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Yeah. But yeah, I've got my fair share of shiny object syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. Oh, I look at that. It's so cool. Let's let's do that. No, let's let's stick to the game plan. Great. Jeremy, thanks for your time today. How can people reach out to you and get, uh, learn more about you? Okay, yeah, the best way is uh to either I'll give you two best ways. How about that? It's Go a ahead. it's a comprehensive program. Go to our website Reets Drying Academy. So it's R E E T S Reets Drying Academy uh, .com and you can check us out on the web. Or call us, 770-712-7293. We'll be glad to have one of our training advisors talk with you and uh, see how we can help you. That sounds great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how your guys' classes progress. I'm going to take a look at some of that Reach TV myself and check you out. Thanks for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to leave a parting shot for the uh, claim clinics? Yeah, you know, I... I Come see us out in Atlanta. I will tell you that if you're in Bend, Oregon at 73 degrees, you ought to wait until <laughs> September. We have a fantastic <laughs> September and October. Perfect. Uh, uh, July and August, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, it's probably not the – it's not our best foot forward <laughs> weather-wise. So yeah, y'all can come out and see me right about now. <laughs> yeah, I need to be coming to see you, but yeah, we'd love to have you with us uh, when when you're uh, when you're available. Come on out and visit us. That sounds great. Thanks again, Jeremy. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you going forward. Okay, thanks, Andy. All right. Once again, this episode was brought to you by the Twenty Four Hour Tech. If you want to shorten your training time for new water damage technicians and increase your profit margins on every single water loss, you owe it to yourself to go over to waterdamageprofit.com, download the 20-step checklist, get yourself a copy of the 24-hour tech training system, and if you do that and submit the 20-step mitigation package to me in the month of January 2016, I will have claims delegates write your exact mate estimate for free. Get on over there, make it happen, and we'll see you in the new year. Merry Christmas.